hi there quick apology for the audio quality on this preach in future it will be back to normal enjoy well good morning just chat with some of my friends over there they said i've got the britney mic on hit me baby one more time it's not in the notes that bit okay so if you're new to the King's Church, uh, every now and again I get the opportunity to speak. Uh, my name's Kieran. Uh, if you are regularly coming to the King's Church and want to leave now, because you've heard me before, that's absolutely fine as well. <laughs> this morning uh, we, we're going through, uh, we're just starting a new series. I don't know if you've, you've uh, clocked it, but in the kind of global church calendar, we're in a season uh, leading up to Easter, which is known as Lent. It's the weeks leading up to Easter. It's really based on uh, Jesus and his time in the wilderness, spending time 40 days with God in the wilderness. And this season of Lent really is a time of preparation before the celebration of Easter. And it's really an opportunity to pause, for us to pause. And we're coming into this season and we're looking at this new teaching series which we've entitled life where is the pause button i think uh over these next few weeks we're going to hit some subjects which i think are going to be relevant to every single person who's sitting in this room today or if you're watching this on youtube or listening to it on itunes i think these topics that we're going to be looking at really are addressing some of the bigger questions that we're facing in life today. The topic I'm going to be looking at is entitled Peace in a World of Anxiety. I've been looking, uh, like you have no doubt, looking at news stories, uh, but also just considering what life is like, particularly in the Western world in 2019. So we're going to be looking at peace in a world of anxiety. So I, I don't know about you, um, but all of us, if we're really honest, I think we have worries, concerns, anxieties. To give you an example, um, in a recent survey, was completed, I think, over the last few weeks, it's found out that 11 to 16-year-olds, one of their biggest concerns and worries is that they will be a victim of, uh, of terrorism. So because of what the stories they've read and what they've heard and what they've seen, uh, they're more concerned about being a victim of terrorism than they are, I suppose, more likely things like bullying or you know, getting hassled through social media or um, some of those sorts of issues. It's, it's fascinating. I don't know if you know, but in the UK, uh, the government did a survey uh, in 2018, December 2018, and they, they asked people what their greatest fears were, and they, they're asking in relation to how it enables them to operate in the workplace. So if you're in the workplace, uh, you'll maybe identify with some of this. So, so one of the greatest fears, or the greatest fear, 67% of people of the several thousand that were asked, greatest fear they had, 67% said public speaking was their greatest fear. Okay, so now you know how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Just 
slightly behind that, 65% was fear of heights. So I'm public speaking and I'm up here. I'm also quite tall, so that adds to the problem. 65% of a fear of heights. 37% of people fear social engagement with other people. So what Tim just said, why don't you talk to somebody next to you, that might have been your, one of your greatest fears, which is why he also said, maybe you prefer just to look at your phone. That isn't necessarily a reflection on the person sit, sitting next to you, it's just the reality of, of these statistics. 26% of us are afraid of flying. And so the stats go on. Uh, it's amazing, really. When, uh, when I was given this, this topic, I thought, oh, really? Peace in the world of anxiety. Because it's quite ironic that I'm talking on this. Because I have nothing to say. Because I'm such an anxious, worry-filled person so much of the time. For sure, much of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that there's moments where I've encountered great peace. And, but it doesn't take much to just push me over to worrying and being anxious. In fact, ironically, last summer, I had to do a talk on this as well. I don't know if you know that, Jim, when you asked me to do this. You weren't here. So what is it? Well, somehow, it's God's idea that I, I'm doing this. Sort of. So to, to illustrate, look, I wasn't, I wasn't at church last week. The reason I wasn't at church, look, let, me, let me just tell you something. I don't like heights. But I don't want to be entrapped by that. So what I've done is, I've thought, right, God, I'm going to ask you to help me with some of the concerns I have. So I don't know what it is for you, if you've got a fear of people with beards and large Adam's apples, you know, Maybe God wants to help you this morning <laughs> to, to, to break through. And I'm hoping by the end of you know, my talk this morning, as Tim has said, you know, we, I'd love it if God spoke to you and encouraged you and helped you maybe to consider how you can break through in some of these things. But you see, I, I, I don't like heights. So what I've done to try and conquer that was I want to be bound by that is that I've, I've done things like a parachute jump, okay, to, to help with that. I've, I've, I've uh, done flying in small aircraft. Think, so I, I want to conquer my fears. So I've done things like, you know, going, going skiing. Well, I've got a fear of heights. So how last week did I end up on the top of a mountain at 8,000 feet, looking down at a, a drop that is, is going to kill me? In fact, to be honest with you, I'm not afraid of heights, I'm afraid of the ground. Because it's actually the ground that gets you in the end, isn't it? It's not the height. Those of you that know me uh, will know that um, life hasn't been tremendously straightforward for me over the last two years. Um, I, I had a touch of brain surgery after a, an accident, and, um, and what I've found is that trying to rebuild my confidence and being able to do things in life hasn't always been easy. So I, I've been skiing before, a few times. And then a, a very generous friend spoke to me and said, I would like to pay for you and your family to go skiing in Switzerland. 
And part of me thought, that is absolutely amazing, because we certainly didn't have the money to do that. But a huge part of me, inside, said, I don't want to go. But I can ski, and I've been before, but I don't want to go. And filled with worry and anxiety. And actually, for months, I said to him, Look, I'm not sure this is a good idea, because if I fall and hit my head, uh, it, it could be quite a serious thing. So, but in the end, I just prayed about it and said, OK, God, I, I'm going to go. So I end up on top of this mountain, 8,000 feet. I don't know if you've got a picture on, on there. of This is... That's really steep, isn't it? <laughs> is it just me? But that, that is really steep. So I'm up there, and I know I can ski. People say it's like riding a bike. It isn't really, because you've got... I've never ridden a bike with huge things on the end of my shoes, you know. <laughs> and I said, to, I said to the guys who were with me, look, I really need to try and re rebuild my confidence. And one of the people that were there said, look, oh, yeah, go down that, that run, because that's what I was thinking I need to go on the nursery slopes and just kind of get back to where I was. Go on that one, it's really... So we go down. I'm going down with Lucy, my daughter, and I'm thinking... This, this is really steep. And as we get down, I found out afterwards that the runner's nickname, The Wall. <laughs> this is not the nursery slope I had in mind. So I'm halfway down. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm pretty much almost crying. And Lucy's saying to me, Dad, let me pray for you. And she holds my hand and just praise this prayer. And I'm saying, I'm saying, God, with you, I can do this. And I get to the bottom, and I think I made it. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because I know there's people here that you think, oh, what are you talking about? That, that's, that's not a difficult thing. But you see, what, what, what is it for you that's difficult? Is, is it, you know, interesting, a quarter of people in the UK, they struggle with making phone calls. They get anxious about having to phone people that they don't know. What, 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 what is it that you are struggling with? So anyway, we get to the bottom of the slope, and I say to Lucy, God, I made it. She said, come on, Dad, we'll, we'll go up the top and we'll do an easy one. So we get on the chairlift, and as we're going up the chairlift, you know the chairlift, you, you ski on, and then it, it comes up behind you, you sit down, and, you, and you're taken up. And we're going up, and I'm thinking, something's not right here, because where we skied from was over there, and we're going this way. And I look up, and we are going up the biggest mountain. We're going up Mount Everest on a ski lift. And we're going up, and I want to go on the nursery slope. And it's like, I don't know, it's probably about a mile or two miles long. We're on this, we're on this chairlift for ages, and we're going up, and Lucy's saying to me, Dad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because she took me on the wrong chairlift. She took me on the chairlift to the wall of death. The black run of hideousness. So we're going up there, and I'm looking down, and it's, it's just like, a, you know, it's just like falling off the side of your house. And I'm like, I'm trying everything. I've got my legs crossed, I've got my fingers crossed, I've got my lucky rabbit's foot. None of that's working. 
So I start talking to God. And then I say to Lucy as we get near the top, I'm really sorry, Lucy, but I don't think it's a good idea that I go down there. So what we did was, when we got to the top, skied off, no, nobody goes back down, they ski down. But I had a word with the, the bloke in the control booth who didn't speak English. He said, I, I need to go down. On the, I need to go down. Because you always shout when somebody doesn't speak English, don't you? Down. I need down. And eventually he got the idea and he stopped the chairlift and we got back on and then we went down. Down. Everybody's coming up. Going, looking at me, going down. And I get to the bottom, come round. Nobody gets off at the bottom normally. And there's 100, 200 people waiting to get on the chairlift. And it stops. We get off and undo the skis. And it's like, sorry, excuse me, excuse me. Lucy said, Dad, we've taken the chairlift of shame. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down. Is that not true? Psalm 37, verse 8 says, Do not fret, it only causes harm. And, and you know if you're in a situation where you're nervous, there's a physical reaction, isn't there? Maybe, you know, you feel like sweaty palms or you start to feel uh, some discomfort or shake, or whatever it is. It's not good for us. But I think it will help us as we think about this subject of anxiety to think about some definitions. What is the difference between anxiety and fear? Well, fear relates to a known threat. Actually, fear can be a good emotion because it can protect us. But fear relates to a known threat. If you, if you can see something that you think is going to get you, that, that, that's fear. But anxiety imagines what could happen. It's more kind of like a bit out there, a bit floaty, harder to pin down. And what causes anxiety? Well, I think change causes anxiety. And we live in a modern world that is changing all the time. Researchers recently have said that, that this Western world we live in has changed more in the last 30 years than the previous 300. Change, 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 constantly. What else causes anxiety? Well, I think personal challenges cause me anxiety and probably cause you anxiety as well. So what are those personal challenges for you? Maybe you're facing exams that are coming up. Maybe you're struggling in a workplace. Maybe you know you've got a difficult appointment with social services. Maybe you know that you're facing an uncertain future because of a difficult diagnosis you've had from your doctor in hospital. Maybe you're struggling with relationships 
because the person who promised on that wedding day, I do, every day since has been really saying, I don't. What, what is it that is giving you challenges and anxiety? But the reality is, anxiety is part of life. I came across this quote by Max Lucado. It says this, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. So whilst I've painted, in some ways, a bleak picture, my hope is today that for myself and for you, that we will leave this place knowing that peace can be found in a world of anxiety. What I've found is this. Peace can be helped by your location. It can be helped by maybe relaxing music. It could be helped by, I don't know, candles or whatever you know, you look to to try and calm yourself. But I've found this is the thing that has helped me. Now listen to me. I'm telling you this because I am a worry-filled, anxious person. Peace is found in a person and his name is Jesus. And it's transformed my life. In Ephesians, it says of Jesus, for he himself is our peace. It goes on to say, he came and preached peace. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to God the Father by one spirit. In the book of Isaiah, Jesus is referred to as the Prince of of peace. It's who he is. And peace is found in this person called Jesus. See, I love this verse in 1 Peter. What does it say? This is, this, is, this is what helps me through these anxious moments. It says, cast, cast all your anxiety on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. God knows we live in an angst-filled, anxious world. And he says this, cast. Are there any anglers here? Any fishermen that want to confess to that? Couple. What do you do with your rod? You cast, don't you? You cast the rod and the, the hook goes. Cast. Get your anxieties. Throw them at God. Hurl them at him. He is more than capable to take them in his arms. I love it in this book, the Bible. It says in this book so many times, do not be afraid, God says. Do not fret. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. In fact, for, there's 365 promises in the Bible. It says, do not fear. Fear not. Be not afraid. 365 of them. One for every day of the week. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. It also says that God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called 
according to his purpose. So to go back to my little, my little skiing holiday last week, where everybody's thinking, this is magnificent, and I'm like in tears almost, you know. <laughs> Actually, what I did was I, I found peace in God. And after, after just reflecting, I thought, do you know what, God, it's amazing. I'm just glad to be alive. I'm just glad to be here. Just so grateful to God. And I said to uh, the, the folks that I was with, I said, look, you go, you go and do all the, like, the skiing stuff that people love to do on the, you know, on the slopes and stuff. And I'll go on, the, on some of the easier things. So I took myself down to this, uh, there's a ski run down to a place called Vengen. And I thought, well, I'll go and ski on my own. And I just spent some time talking to Jesus about how grateful I was to still be alive and still be enjoying just an amazing time. And I got to, I, I didn't go all the way down, but I stopped at this, this station. And I thought, well, I'm going to stop there. And, uh, and as I walked in the station, there was a lady sitting there, and I, I thought she was from Switzerland. And I said, I said uh, hello to her, and then I went and sat in the little kind of like station area. And it started to snow quite heavily, so she came and sat with me. And she said, oh, hello. I thought, oh, she's not from Switzerland, is she? And uh, so she sat down next to me, and she said, oh, you're skiing on your own. Why is that? And I explained that um, I, I, you know, just struggling some, with some of my cognitive stuff and, you know, had, had a bit of a brain injury and all sorts. And, uh, and I told her the story about the chairlift of shame. And she said, do you know what they call the top of that mountain? Oh, God. Isn't that ironic? And I said to her, you know, I prayed that many, many times. I prayed that a lot. And we got chatting to her, and I asked her about her life. She's a professional musician. And it's fascinating, because she told me about what she did. And I don't know if you've got the next slide here. Can you put that up? Can you see those guys there? That's actually uh, at the top of where we were. These two fellas, or I think they're fellas, I can't tell. Um, those horns they're playing are called outhorns. And this lady I met, who is from the UK, I said to her, what, you're a professional musician, uh, and she played in orchestra and all sorts. She said, also, uh, I specialize. I'm the only person in the United Kingdom who teaches people how to play the outhorn. Isn't that amazing? So if you saw Bill Bailey, comedian on telly, playing one of those, well, she, she sort of like showed him how to do it and everything. So, so I, I, a fascinating story. And, so, and, and we're having this story. She says, what do you do? So I tell her what I do. And then I say to her, so, so what about you? Do you ever think about spiritual things? She said, well, my family were Jewish. But then I went to a school where it was religious and they, and they treated me so harshly. And I, was, I had this conversation with her about how kind and loving God is and what he's done in my life. You see, God works all things together for good. Even the cross, he works all things together for good through the cross. Because when people saw the cross and they saw Jesus on the cross, they thought, it's over. But in Isaiah 53, it says this about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions, but he was crushed 
for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. See, also in Isaiah it says, there, are no, there is no rest for the wicked. Let me be provocative to you here today. To be wicked means to live your life without reference to God. The Bible defines that as sin. Yeah, sure, sin is doing wrong things, but actually the biggest sin is despising God and who he is and what he's done to show his love for us. In Isaiah it says, there is no rest for the wicked. And you see, a life of sin will cause an underlying disquiet and discalm in your life that you can try and fill with as many holidays, as many new cars or new clothes or whatever it is, that drugs or drink or sex or whatever it is that you think will bring you peace and free you from a world of anxiety, I'm sorry to bring your world crushing down. The Bible says there is no rest, peace for the wicked. But the punishment for that sin that was put upon Jesus, the punishment that brought us peace was put upon him. So if we can find peace with God through the cross, through Jesus' death and resurrection, you can receive peace from God. But peace with God proceeds, comes before peace from God. You might want to turn with me to some verses in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says this, or verse 5. Some ways, famous verses. Apparently they're the most highlighted Bible verses on Kindle. These verses, if you've got a Kindle, you can highlight verses, and these are the most highlighted verses from the Bible. Let's read from verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which goes beyond, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So peace with God means you can receive peace from God. But how? Well, let's just have a look at these few verses, just for a moment. In Philippians 4, verse 5 and 6, it says this, The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. Are are you aware of that? Are you aware that, that God is near you? 
He is close to you. I was talking to somebody this week. They said, how can God allow suffering to happen? It's a huge question. But the reality is, this loving God is so near, he came and suffered and died on a cross. That's how much he cares. The Lord is near us. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. Isn't like, you know, some sort of like mantra that you can say, oh, don't be anxious. No, don't be anxious. Just repeat, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. No, the Lord is near. The God that we've sung about, the Lord of the universe is near. Therefore, do not be anxious. And then it goes on to say, but in every situation, in every situation, I, you know, what is, what is the situation this morning that is the every situation? It could be something that, to other people, may be small, but in every situation. So one of my anxieties is preaching. Well, actually, no, that's not true. It's preparing to preach. <laughs> so picture the scene. The week has gone on. I've been talking to God about it all week, saying, God, and I've done this before, you know. I have spoken before in churches. I've said, God, every time you always come through, you can make your mind up whether he came through today or not. <laughs> you always come through. You always give me what I need. But, but still, it's kind of there, and underlying sort of like, it's all, I can, I, I, you know, do not be anxious. I'm, I'm talking to myself and saying, God, help me not to be anxious. So I'm sitting in a coffee shop on Friday, because it's quite difficult, 15 staff working here trying to prepare stuff. So I'm sitting in a coffee shop, and I think, right, I better just check my emails. And I check my emails, and I get an email that says, the deadline for something is coming up. And I realized I'd completely forgotten about it. I missed it. Oh, oh crikey. I can feel myself getting anxious. So I'm sitting in the coffee shop with my head on my Bible, saying, oh God, you've got to help me. I'm feeling really bad. And then I start laughing. <laughs> and then they phoned for the ambulance. <laughs> then the police came, no. I'm going, God, I'm just such a muppet. And I'm, I'm having this conversation with God, because do you know why? Because the Lord is near. Therefore, I don't need to be anxious because I can talk to him about it in everything. Even if it's just an email I need to respond to, the Lord is near. And then this lady comes over. I'm sort of sitting there, like, staring to space, or it looks like I'm staring to space, but really I'm talking to God. This lady comes over and says, excuse me, is that your bicycle outside? And I said, yeah, it is. Well, actually, it's my wife's bike. Uh, she said, can you move it? And I said, yeah, sure. So I, I went outside, and I looked, and she said, I'm really fed up with people parking their bicycles outside my business. I said, look, I'm really, really sorry. So I was standing there, I had my glasses on, and I said, go on, free punch in the face. <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't. And she said, she said if I was to punch you, that'd be it. You'd be finished. I said, you wouldn't hit me because I'm wearing glasses. 
Well, that's the rule we had at school. I don't know if it still counts. So I, I just I said, Look, I'm really, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was going to cause you a problem. And I said, it must be so annoying. And she said, she said oh, it's so annoying. But she was really pleasant about it. And so I said to her, I said, it kind of sounds like you're having you know, a really difficult day. And she said, I'm having a really, really bad day. She said, lots of things have gone wrong. And I said to her, I said, this, it's really ironic because you seem really anxious. And I'm going to do a talk on Sunday about how we can find peace in a world of anxiety. And she looked at me and said, no, really? And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, that's amazing. She said, this is like a sign. <laughs> so she grabbed me by the arm, and she had the business, actually, was um, a business where people can go, they, I guess it's a paying thing, but they can go and find help to find peace and freedom from anxiety and, and, and their troubles. So she said, come in here, this is what I do. And she took me in and she, she, she ran upstairs and she said, literally, just before, um, it's here somewhere, she gave me a little card, I can't, oh, I've lost it, it's annoying. Oh, here we are. She said, just as I was coming down the stairs, before I went to talk to you, I got this card here. It's one of my cards that I read if I need to find peace. And it's got some words which I read. It didn't really help me very much. Uh, but I took the card really gratefully. And I said to her, do you know like, I'm a vicar? She goes, you don't look like a vicar. <laughs> well, I said, well, you know, I didn't think I'd probably be doing this, you know. And I told her about my talk that I was doing. And I said to her, do you know what? I found that Jesus is the one that brings peace into my life. I said to her, because I guess she's that sort of person, I said, Jesus is my guru. She said, my guru's at the top of the stairs. I thought, oh, glad I didn't see him. <laughs> I'm not sure what that meant. And then, uh, and then I, I had this conversation with her about Jesus and how you can find peace. And we had this lovely conversation for quite a long time. And they said, do you know what? I'm going to go for a walk. And I said, look, you must really care about people. He said, I do. I said, do you know what? Jesus cares. So how does that work? How does that work when I pray, God, I really need you to help me with my sermon? And I spend a chunk of my afternoon talking to her about how you can find peace with Jesus. Or how does it work in the morning when I let the guy in who's fitting a new carpet on our stairs starts talking about the regrets that he has in his life and how he's got no peace. And I have an opportunity just in a small way to try and point him towards this Lord that is near. I said, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I know the King's Church. I bring my daughter down here all the time for ballet lessons. He said, I fit the floors in one of the rooms here. So open. 
Does God hear our prayers? But in everything, the Bible says, but in everything, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the result. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The bottom line is, I said to God, God, you'll help me. You'll help me when I stand up and talk to these people. Because I don't want to stand up and talk to you and waste your time. That's why I pray and say, God, I want to say something that may be helpful even just to one person here. So come on, what, what, what is it that you're anxious about or worried about today? Is fretting going to help? Or maybe you could, you could say the Lord is near. The Lord is near me. I wonder if we might pray together and then we're going to sing. Lord, would you mind coming up and band? If you're able, I'll, I'll invite you just to stand in this moment and then we're going to sing.